For those that are uh, maybe joining us online or, or picking this up later from uh, just you randomly pick Revelation 9, or if you're even newish to in here, haven't been in here the last few weeks, um, you have to go back. You don't have to go back to the entire uh, book of Revelation because we had those, we had the, basically not letters, but we did, we'll call them letters to the churches, the seven churches there. Then we started opening the seven seals there in chapter six. And, and then we had the, in chapter five, uh, four and five was about the worship, the father and the son. Then we start opening the seals. Then we have that break the 144,000, which will come back into play later. You got the 144,000 and you've got all nations. And then we started opening, it got a little different last week where we got these seven trumpets from seven angels and the trumpets are basically judgments that will be during this tribulation, during this time. We looked at how even Christ's words said, if these times were not cut short, nobody would be able to survive it. So we looked at it last week and one of the things we looked at was this star and it, it'd be easier however you interpret it. Is it a physical manifestation? Is it because it could be easily explained in a lot of these, like a meteor shower when it talks about all the things it does. And so it, it easily could be explained physically. And then we move into this week. Uh, we get a couple more, and then we'll, we'll finish up some on chapter 10 next week. But we get the fifth and the sixth uh, this week, and it's... Um, it, it, it's different. So let's just look at it. The fifth angel sounded his trumpet, and I saw a star that had fallen from the sky to the earth. The star was given the key to the shaft of the abyss. So before we go any further, I, I wrote it down there. There's several things we want to look at inside this uh, verse here. And so let's let's kind of look at that now we ended last week on 810 it says the third angel sounded his trumpet and a great star blazing like a torch fell from the sky and a third of the rivers and the springs now you've heard me say this at least a hundred times and i'll probably get to a thousand before it's over depending on how you read this book this letter or determine what you think here many commentators think the star in 810 was a physical star and it is burning and again some people think it might have been like a meteor shower but kind of like you picture the sun's a, is a big star and it's blazing out now transition to this week and I, I won't say it's overwhelming but out of the commentators that i read and i mean there's several i try to read 10 at least 10 a week on some of this stuff if i have time I would say the majority of commentators believe this is a being and not a physical star. I mean, obviously it's still physical, but it, it's either an angel, fallen angel, or something like that, but it is a, a, a being. Now, not all people believe that, and I, I think I wrote it in there. Some say it, um, it represents repentance without faith, like Judas and Cain that, you know, it says, I saw a star that had fallen from the sky. So that is, you know, it's representing those people who, you know, said they believed but really didn't. So let's look at, uh, I think it's Luke, no, 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 810. Let's look at Jude 6, which is very key. And, um, and, and I put it on there for you, so on your notes, you don't really have to go too far. And I remind you of the angels who did not stay within the limits of authority. God gave them, but left the place where they belonged. 
God has kept them securely chained in prisons of darkness, waiting for the day of judgment. Now, uh, this is this is going to come into play here in this whole chapter tonight. So Jude 6 says this, that there are some angels who didn't stay within God's limits. We see that later in Revelation, and it's it's Satan, Lucifer, and his fallen angels. And, and so they're bound, according to Jude 6 here. God gave them over uh, to a place where they belong, and he's kept them securely chained in prisons of darkness, and they're waiting on the day of judgment. All right? That's Jude chapter 6. Now, go to the third part there. Some people said it represents Cain and Judas. Some people say, now this is the historical reading here. Some people say that this is an ideal person or a line of rulers, such as Napoleon or Muhammad. And the ascending smoke that we're about to read about is fanaticism. I, I don't know, I haven't talked with a lot of you in depth if you have this praetorist or historical view that all of this stuff has played out or is playing out throughout history. But some people believe that these fallen, this fallen star is representing these, these people like this. Now, Luke 10, 18 says, uh, this is Jesus talking, says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Second Peter 2, 4 says, For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, outing them in darkness to be held for judgment, so we, we see both of that there. Now, Fish, I'm going to ask you if you will, this is going to be long, if you'll put up Isaiah 14 for now. And then we're, we're, we're going to have to read all this for most of this to make sense for you, or at least try to make sense for you. I, don't, I still don't know if, it'll, if it will completely make sense for us. But let's go to Isaiah 14 if you want to turn with me. And I don't think I'm going to read the whole chapter, but it says, The Lord will have compassion on Jacob. Once again, he chose Israel, and he will settle them in their own land. Foreigners will join them and unite with the descendants of Jacob. Nations will take them and bring them to their own place. And Israel will take possession of the nations and make them male and female servants in the Lord's land. They will make captives of the captors and rule over the oppressors. On the, day, uh, on the day the Lord will give you relief from your suffering and turmoil from the harsh labor forced on you, you will take up this taunt against the king of Babylon. How the oppressor has come to an end, how his fury has ended. The Lord has broken the rod of the wicked, the scepter of the rulers, which in anger struck down peoples with unceasing blows and in fury subdued nations with relentless aggression. All the lands are at rest and peace. They break into singing. Even the junipers and the cedars of Lebanon gloat over you and say, now that you have been laid low, no one comes to cut us down. The realm of the dead below is all astir to meet you at its coming, at your coming. It rouses the spirits of the departed to greet you, all those who are leaders in the world. It makes them rise from their thrones, all those who were kings over the nations. They will all respond. They will say to you, you have become weak as we are. You've become like us. All your pomp has been brought down to the grave along with the noise of your harps. Maggots are spread out beneath you and worms cover you. How you have fallen from heaven, morning star. So there we see it. Son of the dawn, you have cast, been cast down on the earth. 
you have once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of the assembly, on the utmost heights of Mount Zaphon. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. But you are brought down to the realm of the dead, to the depths of the pit. Those who stare, those who see you stare at you, they ponder your fate. Is this the man who shook the earth and made the kingdoms tremble? The man who made the world a wilderness, who overthrew its cities and would not let his captives go home? I was trying to think if I want to... Yeah, let's just keep going. All the kings of the nations lie in state, each in his own tomb, but you cast out of your tomb like a rejected branch. You are covered with a slain, with those pierced by the sword, let those who descend the stones of the pit like a corpse trampled underfoot. You will not join them in burial, for you have destroyed your land and killed your people. Let the offsprings of the wicked never be mentioned again. Uh, so let's let's skip down. Uh, da, 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 da. Uh, I think. Well, I tell you what, that's that's good for that one because you got the point. And then I want us to flip over if we can. Ezekiel 28. You read that there. That's Isaiah writing this thousands of years before. And uh, until I started studying this, I never really paid that close attention to Isaiah 14. And then Ezekiel 28 helps us uh, illustrate this a little bit more. I don't think I have to read as much. Now, this one is about, uh, it is obviously about two places. But as you read it, you're like, well, this is kind of more than human. So it, it makes perfect sense to go here. In the pride of your heart, you say, I am God. I sit on the throne of God in the heart of seas, but you are a mere mortal and not a God. You think, uh, though you think you are as wise as God, are you wiser than Daniel? Is no secret hidden from you? By your wisdom and understanding, you have gained wealth for yourself and amassed gold and silver in your treasuries. But your great skill in trading, you have increased your wealth by your great skill. And because of your wealth, your heart has grown proud. Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Because you think you're wise, as wise as a God, I'm going to bring foreigners against you, the most ruthless, the most ruthless of nations. They will draw their swords against your beauty and wisdom and pierce your shining splendor. They will bring you down to the pit and you will die a violent death in the heart of the seas. Will you then say, I'm a God in the presence of those who kill you? You, must, you will be a mortal, not a God. In the hands of those who slay you, you will die the death of uncircumcised at the hand of the foreigners. So now God talks this to the next nation. You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the Garden of Eden. Every precious stone adored you, carnelian, crystallite, and emerald, topaz, onyx, and jasper, lapis, lazuli, turquoise, and beryl. Your settings and mountains were made of gold. On the day you were created... They were prepared. You were anointed as a garden guardian cherub, for so I ordained you. You were on the holy mount of God. You walked among the fiery stones. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till wickedness was found in you. Through your widespread trade, you were filled with violence and you sinned. So I drove you in disgrace from the mount of God and expelled you. 
guardian cherub from among the fiery stones. Your heart became proud, and on account of your beauty, and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. So I throw you to the earth. I made a spectacle of you before kings. By your many sins and dishonest trade, you have desecrated your sanctuaries. So I made a fire come out from you, and it consumed you, and I reduced you to ashes on the ground in the sight of all who were watching. All the nations who knew you are appalled at you, and uh, you have become, you have come to a horrible end and will be no more. I am against, I, th I think that's it there. Yeah, that, that's, but when you read that, you say, okay, well, that, I, I, I kind of get that. Now, I want us to go read all of Revelation 9, and then let's, let's look at this. The fifth angel sounded his trumpet and saw a star that had fallen from the sky to the earth. The star was given the key by the shaft uh, to, of the abyss. When he opened the abyss, smoke from it, uh, like the smoke from, come from it like that from a gigantic furnace. We just read that in Ezekiel. The sun and sky were darkened by the smoke from the abyss. And out of this smoke, locusts came down on earth and were given power. I tell you what, let me stop right there before we get into the locusts. Let's, let's, let's tackle this real quickly. Uh, so you, you've seen this, you've seen the parallels. What is this? Most people that I read believe this is Satan and he's coming down. When you read the Old Testament passage, you say, what does that have to do with it? God was speaking specifically, yes, but it's almost, as we've said before, the, the scripture has a two-pronged uh, message to it. Because when you read it, he said, I threw you down from heaven when talking to Tyre and Sidon, and that, that wouldn't really go with that. So it almost had that two-pronged message to it there that we see. Then if you look at the word fallen, it says it is a perfect act of participle, which means not only was it a fall, but it, we are continued to be affected by it. So when you read that now, uh, you kind of understand it. So what's going on? Let's just sum it up. The angel uh, blows the trumpet and a star falls from heaven. Now, I'm not saying it's Satan, but let's just, let's say it is for now. And so Satan comes down. He was given the key to the abyss, which means that God is still sovereign. God is still in control. It's, it's kind of like Job. He's only allowed to do what God allows him to do. So he's given this key. You say, well, why would God allow that? We get that question all the time. Because the people that the judgment's going to come against are people that have not, you know, put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So he's given the key to the abyss. And uh, when he opened the abyss, so he goes down and he opens. If you read Jude 6 and understand it and read Second Peter and read the Old Testament passages, most people believe this abyss was where the, the, the demons or the fallen angels were tied up and bound up. And so he's going to go and let them out. And we'll get into it a little bit later on where they're at and where they're technically at. So he lets all these out. When he opened them, smoke rose from it. Uh, like a gigantic furnace and the sun and the sky were darkened from smoke from the abyss. So all this stuff just keeps coming up and it makes it so dark that you know you can't see. Now, the abyss means depth and nature of it. The nature of it's not really plainly stated in scripture as your notes see there. In Luke 8:31, when Jesus is, is healing the, the Gardenian man and the demons say, send us into the pigs, don't let it, don't send us into the abyss. It says, and they begged Jesus not to order them to go into the abyss. And seven times in the book of Revelation, the word abyss is mentioned. Now, what is this? What is the abyss? 
You go back to what we talked about sometime in Revelation. It, again, goes to your how you read a lot of this stuff. What happens to us when we die? And I know good friends that disagree on this subject. To be absent from the body is to be present from the Lord. We, we get that, and most of us all agree on that. The minute we take our last breath on this earth, as Billy Graham says, we take our first breath with Jesus. I agree with that 100%. I think most of you in here listening don't have a problem with that. But what happens to our physical bodies, our spirit and our soul, we get will be with Jesus. But physically speaking, and you've heard me say it, I believe we will not be in the eternal heaven until the second coming of Jesus Christ. I believe we will be in, however you want to term it, paradise. Now, you go the other way with heaven. I'm, I'm sorry, with hell. There's, there's the abyss there's, there's the Sheol component to it, and you read all this, but this is not Guiana, which, and I don't know if I ever say that Greek word right, but that's the eternal hell. That's the lake of fire. So when Jesus comes back, we will either go to the eternal heaven, the new Jerusalem, or the eternal hell, Guiana. So the, the abyss is not there. The abyss is something. It's dark. They're, they're chained up. They're pent up. They're still under God's sovereign control, but they're, they're just in this abyss, and they're probably mad because they've been chained up. But these evil uh, or these fallen angels, these evil spirits are down there, and they're released. And you can imagine there's, there's obviously a, a very strong spiritual component to this, and I don't know if I want to go there yet, but, but we, we'll, we'll probably save that for the end. So... What happens? This supernatural thing, like you would read in a C.S. Lewis novel or something on TV happens. And it starts in verse 5. And out of the smoke came locusts. Locusts. They came down on the earth and they were given power like that of scorpions on the earth. They were told not to harm the grass of the earth or plant, or tree. Now, locusts, that's usually what locusts do. Now, remember we talked about this last week. They don't perfectly parallel the plagues of Egypt, but they are very similar. So they were told to come down, but they were only allowed to mess with or torture those who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. We talked about this in the 144,000 and the great multitude. All these people are saved, and they have the seal on them whether it's physical seal or not, we don't know, but we know they're believers. And so here, the locusts are not allowed to touch them. And you say, man, this must have been some pretty dangerous locusts. Now, what I'm about to read you next depends on how you read Revelation. All right? They were not allowed to kill them, but only torture them for five months. Was it literally five months? Was it a... We don't know for sure. Again, I'm, I'm a literalist on this. And the agony they suffered was like that of a sting of a scorpion when it strikes. During those days, people will seek death but will not find it. They will long to die, but death will elude them. Now, what is, does that mean that they want to commit suicide but they lose their courage? or they tried and God's sovereign hand just stops them. You've seen both of those in your life. You've seen people who have tried and not been successful, people that talk about it, wanted to, they didn't have the courage to do it. We don't know. But they've been, they've been tortured so much, they're living in such agony that they want to die. Now, let's look at this. 
The locusts look like horses prepared for battle. Can you imagine a horse? It doesn't say they were the size of a horse, but it says they look like a horse. On their heads were something like crowns of gold. That's that Stephanus crown, that Victor's crown we've been talking about. And their faces resembled human faces. Telling you something like I have a C.S. Lewis novel. Their hair was like women's hair, so it didn't have a mane, it had women's hair. So we got a locust, looks like a horse, face like a man, hair like a woman. And then we've got teeth like a lion. I don't know about you, but I don't want to see them. They had breastplates like breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings, listen to this, was like the thundering of many horses and chariots rushing into battle. Can you imagine a locust? And so many of them that the flapping of their wings sounded like horses in battle. They had tails with stingers like scorpions. And in their tails, they had the power to torment people for five months. They had uh, as king over them the angel of the abyss. So we're going to stop right there for a second. I'm going to pick, this, pick up this sheet, if you will. Let's look at what this guy says. I don't subscribe to this, but I just wanted to give you an example of how you read Revelation. So Elliot regards the trumpet sepentry as included in the seventh seal as also the sepentry as chronologically consecutive on the day of the six seals proceeding. The, the period of the first six trumpets to the close of the first part, he regards as extending from A.D. 395 to 1453. So he's got a specific time frame. All right, this is the destruction of the Western Empire by the Goths and the Eastern Empire by the Sarcenes and the Turks. The half hour of silence in heaven in 8.1 interprets the stillness from storms in the aerial firmament. So then if you go on down there, eh, about three-fifths maybe, he contends that during this period of the ravages, the Roman world, in fact, was divided into three parts. The Eastern, the Asia Minor, you got the Central, and then you got the Western. All right. So the second, the area of the Guernsey, uh, to whom was allotted the, the conquest of the maritime provinces of Africa and the islands. The third was the area of Attila, the Hun, who was a baleful meteor. All right. So then he goes down to 565. There's the rise of Muhammad comes into all this. I'm not going to read you all this. I want you to read this. You can take it home with you and look at it and go, Okay, this guy's crazy. I'm not saying he is or isn't, but there is, this is the views. Take your intro to Revelation, pair it up with this. This guy's saying this stuff's already happened. So the fallen star here could be Napoleon or whoever. Remember, dispensationalists and people like that, and I'm not a dispensationalist, but believe none of this stuff has happened or it's going to happen in the future. Uh, you know, so that just gives you an illustration. That would go back, and I'll put a few of them in here for you. Napoleon Muhammad comment and all that stuff. All right, so what's going on? We got these locusts. I don't know if he tells who the locusts were or not. They might have been the Turkish or the Muslims. I don't know, but he 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 have to explain it. That's why the literal gets a little tougher there, um, and that's why I tell you that. Uh, oh, there I actually did put it there. He believes there were the Goths and the Vandals and the Persians and the Muslims. All right. Fish, can you throw up that scripture, Exodus 10, 12? There we go. And the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over Egypt so the locusts swarm over the land and devour everything, growing in the fields, everything left by the hail. You've seen that one. The Joel one, 
is very good. Let's read this. The word of the Lord came to Joel, the son of Pethuel. Hear this, you elders. Listen to all who live in the land. Has anything like this ever happened in your days or in the days of your ancestors? Tell it to your children and let your children tell it to their children and their children tell it to the next generation. What the locust swarm has left, the great locusts have eaten. What the great locusts have left, the young locusts have eaten. What the young locusts have left, other locusts have eaten. Now, fish throw up that Joel 2, and this really makes it good here. Blow the trumpet in Zion, sound the alarm on my holy hill. Let all who live in the land tremble. For the day of the Lord is coming, it is close at hand. A day of darkness and gloom. Sounds like what we just read. A day of clouds and blackness. Like dawn spreading across the mountains. A large and mighty army comes. Such as never was in ancient times. Nor will ever be again in ages to come. Before them fire devours. Behind them a flame ablazes. Before them the land is like the garden of Eden. Behind them a desert waste. Nothing escapes them. They have the appearance of horses. They gallop along like Calvary. With a noise like that of chariots, they leap over the mountaintops like a crackling fire, consuming stubble like a mighty army drawn up for battle. At the sight of them, nations are in anguish. Every face turns pale. They charge like warriors. They scale walls like soldiers. They all march in line, not swerving from their course. They do not jostle each other. Each marches straight ahead. They plunge to the defenses without breaking ranks. They rush upon the city. They run along the wall. They climb into the houses. Like thieves, they enter through the windows. Before them, the earth shakes, the heavens tremble, the sun and moon are darkened, and the stars no longer shine. And then 25 and 27, I think fish will wrap us up. I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten, the great locust and the young locust, the other locust and the locust swarm. My great army that I sent among you, you will have plenty to eat until you are full, and you will praise the name of the Lord your God who has worked wonders for you. Never again will my people be shamed. Then you will know that I am Israel, in Israel, that the Lord your God, and there is no other. Never again will my people be shamed. Now, look, you can say what you want to, that this is all just coincidence. I'm not saying it's talking exactly when you line up the Isaiah and Ezekiel and, and Joel and all this and Exodus. I'm just telling you, don't tell me the Old Testament's boring, all right? And I, I know it can be at times, all right? It, it gets tough. But the Old Testament's pointing to Jesus. It always does. And when you put all this in there together, to me, I'm tell, I'm already out of time. I'm already two minutes over. But I'm, I'm going to do like I did at the Oscars. I'm not stopping. Um, so I'm going to go a little longer and finish this up tonight. But I'm, I'm just telling you this stuff, and you can I could have chased this forever. And so uh, look at that there. Some commentators say that the five months was associated with humanity. Chase that on rabbit yourself. I went down that rabbit trail and went elsewhere because I didn't have time. That the, that number five actually signifies something that. But it is important that they were, you know, they were not allowed to kill. They were just allowed to torture. But I, I want us to, to, yeah, I don't really have time to go as much in depth. But this is kind of the gist of it tonight. I want you to understand this if you don't understand anything. There's, this is a spiritual thing. It's a spiritual darkness. These demons are released. The abyss, they're, they're pulled out of the abyss. Well, they come out, and do they do anything physically? The demons don't technically do anything yet. They, they bring these locusts out, and the locusts do a lot of physical damage, but the demons come out, and they cause all this darkness, and, they, and eventually it says people are going to want to die. Now, I want you to get this. There are some things worse than death, especially to a believer. 
uh, as, as believers, when we die again, we take our first breath with Jesus. But this, this demonic spiritual war that we're fighting many times is much more painful when we go through things like addiction and, and, and divorce and all these things that, the, that, that Satan can be involved in. I, I'm, there's a million things we could chase with this. But anytime Satan has his hand in something and pushes something, I'm not telling we can't get forgiveness for anything, but what I'm telling you is anytime there is this, uh, this spiritual warfare that we battle and, and the devil's involved in it, there are times where we are like, hey, I'd, I'd rather just die. And some of you've been through it. Some of you've been through it with pain, with physical pain. Some of you've been through it when you've battled divorce and you're like, I, I just want this to end. Some of you've been through it with adult children. And you're like, I just want this to end. Some of you've battled addiction. You're like, I'd be better off dead. And so it, that, that's what kind of the gist of this passage is here because it says people will want to die, but they can't. So what does it say here? They had a king over them, over the angel of the abyss, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon and Greek is Apollyon. That name means destroyer, which is what the devil is. The sixth angel sounded his trumpet, and I heard a voice coming from the four horns of the golden altar that is before God. It said to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. And the four angels who had kept ready for this very hour, day and month, and year were released to kill a third of mankind. I'm probably just going to have to quit because I'm going to run out of time. We might just have to pick that up next time. But here's what I, and I'll, I'll decide if we'll, we'll finish up nine or I'll just give you some notes and, and go to ten because I honestly just kept chasing so much today. I'm like, there's no way I'll get that in in 30 minutes, and I didn't. So here's what I want you to get because I'm telling you, everything points to Jesus. What, what, is, what does he say here? During these days, people will seek death but will not find it. They will live to die but death will elude them. There's only one way out of all of this. There's only one way to not have that, and that is through Jesus. When, when those of you that have went through anything like this, and look, I've been through a little bit in my life, nothing like a lot of you, but when we go through it, we know, we look back and we're like, there ain't but one way I got through that, and that was Jesus. I remember sitting there in that airport in Indonesia and, you know, 26 hours away from anybody I knew, and like in Guatemala, I can manage, okay? I can order at Burger King, you know. Dose, send cebollas, that's no onions. Send mayonnaise, no mayonnaise, and Pepsi Light, that's Diet Coke. All right, I'm good. That's all I need to know. And, and I can get on the plane. I, I know all my stuff, and I can manage. In Indonesia, I didn't know what language we were speaking. I didn't know anything. I would point at stuff, and they, were like, they wouldn't even get the points. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm 26 hours away from home. Y'all know it. Y'all heard the story. I'm going through every type of depression and anxiety there is. And I'm sitting in the airport, and I'm crying like, Lord, you've got to take over because you're the only one I can hear right now, feel right now, see right now. You've got to get me through this. And he did because at that point, I don't know. I wasn't quite there yet, but I, I probably another day or two, and I'd have been like, Lord, just take me. I've had enough. Some of you have been there. You've been to that point when it's, family stuff, you might have been through addiction, you might have been through something, and you're thinking, I cannot get through this. There's only one way we get through it, and that's through Jesus. And look, this is what he teaches us. He's faithful in all of this, and he'll see us through it. All right? 
I'm sorry I, I have went over tonight. Let's let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for being good to us. Uh, we know the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord stands forever. Uh, I, I love looking at this, and I, I know I love chasing some of this stuff. It, it is it's interesting to me, but what's exciting is that if we if we know Jesus, and, and we may go through some of this because Jesus said if the time were not short, cut short, nobody could endure it. We may go through it, but we know at the end that we're we're going to be fine. And I, and I thank you for that, Father. I thank you that the seal is on me, and that is because of your blood, not anything I did. But I thank you that I get to spend an eternity with you. My prayers for anybody tonight that may be listening on Facebook or here that doesn't know Jesus, they make that decision. For it is in Jesus' name we pray.